When you hear the phrase, soft as steel, what do you think of? While the word steel might conjure up images such as massive high-rise buildings, where does the soft part come in? And what exactly does this mean in our work and in our lives? Welcome to the Soft as Steel podcast with your host, Dennis Duran, featuring engaging conversations with a wide range of industry leaders around soft skills, how we practice love, inclusion, social justice, and compassionate leadership that's everlasting in the workplace. And now, here's Dennis Duran. I feel especially blessed today to have as my guest, gentleman gentleman goes by one name, Tats. Tats is uh, someone I met just a few weeks ago. And again, I, I know the folks that come to this conversation fairly well before they arrive. I know a bit about Tats, and I had the privilege of being on his podcast a few weeks ago and found him to be not only interesting, but just uh, really cool to talk to. Tats is the co-founder and CEO of Gestagra Products, a manufacturer of high adhesion roof coatings and the host of the Specified Growth Podcast. That's one of two and a half that he that he hosts. I might get him to mention the others as well if it's not in my intro. Gestagra hopes contractors and commercial property owners solve difficult roof coating challenges. One of its products, Ecuador Roof Coating, is approved and used by the top companies in the world. Ecuador has also been voted top green vention by the entrepreneur reality show Dragon's Den. Over the past 20 years, Tats has launched hundreds of products and services, co-authored Overcoming Inventoritis, the silent killer of innovation, with the foreword written by someone whose name is very recognizable, and that is Steve Wozniak, a co-founder of Apple. Spoken to a variety of industry groups, including the Chartered Accountants of Canada, the Canadian Bar Association, the American Chamber of Commerce, and the International Internet Marketing Association. And he's also written articles for Fast Company, Construction Today, Industry, and been quoted on CBS News, Global TV, CBC, and in the Globe and Mail and BC Business. Kind of interesting, don't you think, folks? Tats, it's, it's, uh, it's a privilege to welcome you to a conversation on the Softest Steel podcast. Wow. Thank you, Dennis. I don't think anyone's gone through that profile and read it out before. So yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I'm just curious about a lot of things, right? So I think that's where it all starts in terms of all these things I've been part of. Yeah. And I would say, you know, to jump right in, because when you say curious, curious, in, in my view, is a quality of a person, uh, is a soft skill. And so, uh, you know, to describe someone as curious says a lot about them without knowing much. Uh, you simply say that this guy is in- incredibly curious and you automatically have a sense of what they're all about. Curiosity is, uh, is something that fuels uh, individuals to try to find better ways, find better things, find better people, uh, do so many things that are vital to, to business uh, and other enterprises, and also just to human relations. So starting as a curious guy is a pretty good place to start. When I when I say soft skills, you you've uh, you, you know where I come from on this. I, I wrote a book. I'm doing this podcast, and soft skills are what we talk about almost the entire time. What's your first set of thoughts around this whole notion of why someone, in this case me, would want to try to uh, to have a dialogue, try to keep talking about the importance of people's qualities? Yeah, I mean, I I started out just being really fascinated about 
ideas, ideas and how ideas spread, right? And, and entrepreneurship, because a lot of these new ideas come in some sort of entrepreneurial activity or spirited activity. And, um, I was lucky enough to, to have a, a mentor who, his name is Peter Rosen. He, um, he invented the Windows Media Player, so invented the ability to watch video on a computer. He worked mm. on some early 3D printing technology. And this was before um, there was so much information online about, you know, people's history, stories, their thoughts. We're truly blessed, right? Your podcast, my opportunity through my podcast to literally hear people's sort of insights and stories um, that, you know, we would never had the opportunity to know 20, 30 uh, plus years ago. Um, mm. So, you know, it's just kind of really started from there. But I think what I learned along the way was there's ideas, idea dissemination, but it all comes down from soft skills. And what it took me a very, very long time to learn was in order to bring an idea to life or to try things, you need to develop a team, right? We all have strengths and weaknesses. And to build an effective team has a lot to do with knowing what your own strengths and weaknesses are and having the soft skills to relate to people, um, help build people up, cooperate with people. And, you know, me being a bit more of an introvert, that came slowly. But as I got better at that, my results got better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that, that is a fabulous mouthful of thoughts. Um, yeah, I guess if I'll go to a, a question to force you to, to zero in on, on one item. And that is in, in thinking about leaders, which are obviously, we, I would refer to myself as a thought leader, I guess. Uh, you are a thought leader, but also an entrepreneurial leader in many ways. Um, if you had to pick, you know, one quality, one soft skill, which you would view as being absolutely uh, essential to be able to be effective as a leader in an organization, what would it be? I mean, I think it, I think it generally starts with listening and then you just kind of build from there, right? Your ability to really listen. I, I had a guest once that was an expert in listening mm-hmm. and I asked uh, her, what you know? What do you need to be to be a better listener? And she she says the most sort of you know interesting thing that threw me off is that she says we no matter how hard we try, we are not very accurate at listening. We can mm-hmm. try. We're oh, but she she mentioned that there's always a layer of bias that is is happening all the time so you know which doesn't mean we should give up it just means that we just have to keep trying and trying and trying to get better at it knowing that there's always a possibility of misunderstanding or not fully understanding what is going on but that just started me the path path on really just paying attention to it more and i think podcasting really helps because you know you know like like yourself you know you're you're interested in interested in learning um, is when you ask a lot of people questions, I've, I felt early on, I was very almost predicting some of the answers or trying mm-hmm. to predict even mm-hmm. in areas that or in areas that had some background and knowledge, but about half the time I was completely wrong on what I was anticipating. And it just drew way more awareness 
on, you know, what I didn't know and how I should just sit back and just take that in a bit more. So I just, you know, every day I'll just try to be a little bit better at taking that in because I feel like that's a starting point of where you need to go from it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You know, just the way... <laughs> It's the way you said that. I mean, you you do understand that that just that thinking you that you knew what the answer was going to be is 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 a prime example of one of the barriers uh, to good communication. Rather than listening attentively, you were processing in your mind what you were going to say next, uh, and that's that's something we all do. And 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 as you know from your learning journey, when we think about listening as a uh, as a quality. Uh, being, I would say we'd, the quality would be to say, describe someone as a good list, listener, maybe even a great listener. The skill that's embedded in that quality is listening itself and understanding how to go about doing in a manner that will help you produce better results. And that means, among other things, that you've got to fight your the accumulation of the bias that you developed over your lifetime. You've got to fight distractions. You've got to fight uh, uh, presuming you know what the answer is going to be. All those battles that have to be won in order for you to be able to do a better job of listening when there's so much, even in a transactional way, there's so much at stake. Uh, and that, and again, uh, as an introvert, it makes absolute sense that listening is something which you are relatively better able to do. Uh, again, because you'd rather not be talking. And I don't mean that literally, but th th in general, that's the thought. But, but beyond that, the idea that, that it is a skill uh, and the importance of, of, of seeing it as a skill. And it's part of the bigger uh, skill that I think is fundamental to all of us. And, and I'm doing it right now. And that's communication. You and I are, have, are communicating with each other. Um, so I'm not going to do all the talking. We're going to be exchanging thoughts and ideas, answering questions, saying other things. And because we're interested in making the best use of our time together, we're both going to be doing probably a better than average job of listening. But that's not the case for everybody. Uh, and particularly when we think about the, the leaders at the top of organizations who, if they don't, if they don't get the idea that one of the things that makes me a great leader is something I'm not particularly good at, and that is the skill of listening. Uh, and if I want people to get to know me, uh, I have to demonstrate that I have interest in them, that I care, uh, that I want to get to know them. And the way you do that is not by running your mouth, your thoughts. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, Every day I just try to figure out how I could be a little bit better leader than I am, you know, the last day. And I think I understand more as I go along that there's just different ways of accomplishing one thing. You know, books sometimes try too hard to say this is the one way, but I've seen leadership work in so many different ways. And I almost feel like you, you know, as you're developing, you just have to try different things and to see how it can work for you. And, and, um, you know, I, I think that's the thing sometimes, you know, sort of topics get sort of broken down into this is what you must do. And I think there's a certain range that, that can work, um, and just paying attention to other people, how they approach things stylistically is really important. And I think I could give different examples on how things that shouldn't work, work, right? Like, you mm -hmm. know. And I think being okay with that, maybe it's just, it wouldn't make a good book or it wouldn't make a good story. But when, when something is working, uh, there's nuance to that because it, as humans, we're all so different. 
um, we have to appreciate and allow it to happen sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 absolutely. Um, let's let's jump into a different part of this, and, and it's I want to use a, a quote from my mentor, a guy named Steve Farber, uh, who in his first book twenty years ago uh, included the this set of phrases. He says, "Do what you love." in the service of people who love what you do. Do what you love in the service of people who love, love what you do. Well, how does, that, how does that feel to you, those, that set of phrases? What does it mean to you? I like that. I like that there's nuance to that, right? If you really think about it, because um, some people only have the first part of it, right? Mm-hmm. And if you just do one part of it, it doesn't it doesn't quite work out for different people, right? So mm-hmm. I think inherently business or things that happen in life are a little complicated. And the people that A, understand or appreciate the nuances or the, the fact that many things are not very linear are going to win. I think also that people that manage contradictions, like for instance, you know, in business, you you know, as a leader, you have to be confident, but you also need to be humble, right? So what does that look like, right? How yeah. do people express that? So yeah. I think that's those are the the people that can sort of understand the imperfect nature of that and can embrace both sides of that are the ones that are the for for my opinion, just the most skilled. Yeah, yeah. What a fine line to manage between confidence and humility. Uh, but but you're, you're I mean it says it very, you're exactly right. Um, when I think about great leaders, uh, you know the words that come to my mind are leaders that demonstrate humility, are leaders that are listeners and, and they're very good listeners, um, and they're also people that are caring. Uh, those are the, those are the big three for me. And in the last few years, we've had a two year period of time where uh, the challenge for everyone was to live through something they'd never lived through before. Uh, and for leaders, and I think I did it in a very amateurish way, I sat down at my dining room table with my microphone and my camera uh, and uh, and just, just extemporaneously offered thoughts to my vast audience out in my, uh, my, uh, my YouTube channel. And, but it boiled down to this. Um, the only thing that you have to do right now, and this was again at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, which is now in our rearview mirror in uh, many ways. Um, the only thing you have to do right now as a leader is to let people know that you care. Hard stop. That's all you have to do. You don't have to have answers. You don't have to have direction. You don't have to try to, to uh, convince them they should get the shot or not get the shot. You don't have to do anything. Just let them know you care. And, uh, and that, that is, you know, that's something which requires uh, humility and requires confidence. Um, again, to, to, for it to be seeming to be genuine or authentic, which is one of my top 20 soft skills in, in the book I wrote a few years ago. Uh, the number one was, by the way, was trustworthiness was the number one quality, which may seem obvious. Listening was up in the top, I believe in the top five or so, but uh, good listening is there because it needs to be there. Um, what are your thoughts about what I've just said? Yeah, I mean, I, I think... Um you know, caring is very powerful, right? It's the starting point. It shows uh, your sharing, right? It shows the vulnerability side of it. But the base level, it just clarifies your intentions, right? What the priorities are. And I think 
at the end of the day, I mean, there's just a lot of things that we're involved in that once when you get older and you see more things, there's a lot of things that don't matter, right? There's ups and downs and stuff like that, but it's just about the people that you care and the, the service um, that you provide to people that's, you know, that's kind of sticks around a bit more, right? So mm-hmm. I think just being very clear on your why is very important. And I think w- in areas of your life that you clearly understand what that is, I tend to think that goes better, right? Because mm-hmm. you're more intentional with that. And, and you know, as I get older, I realize that, you know, there's just not one area. Every area is connected, right? So if you're doing and you're clear on one area, it, you know, greatly impacts other areas of your life. So there's no, hey, I'm at work. And this is personal. It's kind of all connected in some way. So, um, you know, having awareness of that and having skills, whether it's in the workplace or in personal, they it just makes everything better when you're developing on those uh, soft skills. Yeah, I imagine that uh, that your company has uh, expressions that they refer to as their being their values or their their purpose. Uh, and I would imagine that they include words that are soft skills, um, as well as things that are, uh, I'll call them uh, technical or or, uh, or hard skills, like highest quality product uh, or, you know, tested and approved, all those kinds of things that give the buyer of your product, which is, and again, I, as I said, I've said before, and I think I may have said it already in this conversation, but I look at your, at your company uh, and you have a... A, a leading product that is valuable to companies in, across the world, as you say, in the, as I said in the introduction. Um, but you truly are. Uh, it's easy for you to, I would think, to adopt this notion that the, that I have a product, and with that product, I serve people. Uh, and uh, when we do a, when, when our product is applied and it produces a great result for those customers, they're delighted with what we've done. Uh, so, yeah. uh, and they, and they let us know, uh, because it can, because uh, the company is growing and people continue to buy it. Your thoughts? Yeah. I think, um, you know, you mentioned my bio earlier about helping launch, uh, companies. Um, and some of those were ours. Uh, many of those were just, uh, clients and, you know, so I got to see a lot, lot of different industries and, you know, again, I mentioned before, I love the idea of idea dis- dissemination, right? You know, ideas here and then it's in 2000 stores. But as I sort of moved along and, you know, got better at it, I was horrible at it. And I got, you know, okay at it as I went along and did, you know, all these different launches, I started to second guess some of the things I was helping to put out in the world because mm-hmm. you know you do have you know a choice right when you get and I get older I have kids and you start thinking about what the next generation will face and what you're doing to help that along uh, I started to think well does the world need another one of these plasticky things right so um and that's where we ended up on a sustainable plant-based technology that's, you know, industrial use. And that's something that Peter actually accidentally invented is I felt that, hey, you could be an entrepreneur. You could, you know, uh, push for, you know, profitability and and success. And you could, at the same time, market 
and develop you know superior products and things that are economically uh, that make sense so mm-hmm. uh, and i felt you know in the beginning sustainability was all about um just you know eco and it, it, it they had a lot of inferior products but as it developed i felt that there was a lot of room to just do the right thing while making the economics of it worked as well so i think for for me i just you know it was very very clear that you know you could have all aspects of it as long as you didn't settle and you were pushing for it mm-hmm. yeah yeah well said well you know i think that uh, again you you know your 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 product is used in new construction and and rehabilitation work etc cetera, etc cetera, the full gamut of uh, of the construction building and maintenance uh, industry is that a fair way of describing it yeah, I mean, we focus on the restoration side. I think um, that's where we are. We are strong. I think bigger companies do uh, much better on the the new construction side. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I th- I think you know we're always trying to to innovate in our in our small way. But you know, we're we're pushing. Yeah, yeah. Well, so you know, I think you know one of the one of the thoughts that comes to my mind as I think about you and your company. Uh, is is again that when you, uh, you I mean you wrote a book you wrote a book uh, uh, overcoming inventoritis great title by the way almost as good as my softest steel title I might say but uh, but a little bit longer but that's good that's okay um, and so you know what are the what are the major things that you learned from writing that book that are that constitute the the qualities uh, or skills soft skills of people. Uh, to be able to overcome what you call inventoritis? Sure. Um, th- there is a test called the 3 a.m. test. So um, so uh, imagine this. You have an idea and you're so excited about it, Dennis. You have to tell somebody. So you, it is 3 a.m., right? But you know what? You, you just can't wait for tomorrow. You have to tell your idea to someone. So you go... You go to a, a prospect or someone you know that could give you feedback. You bang on their door. They don't open the door because it's it's very, very, uh, you know, it's in the middle of the night. But you're determined to talk to someone about your idea because it's going to change the world. So you break the door down. And then, you know, they live upstairs. So you run up the stairs. You bust the door open. And you grab your prospect and say, wake up, wake up. And then you tell them your idea. And one of two things are going to happen. Well, actually, maybe three. But so one, they're going to listen to your idea and they're going to love it. And they're going to stay up with you all night to talk about it. Uh, two, um, they, they are going to say, what are you, what are you talking about? That doesn't sound too excited. They're going to go back to sleep. Three, maybe they'll call the cops. But <laughs> the point is, you know, we just like we form attachments with two people form attachments to ideas especially mm-hmm. the ideas that we give birth to or we we come up with mm-hmm. and what happens with ideas is it's just you think it's a good idea and it, there's just a lot of criteria re- required for an idea to become commercial commercial success so mm-hmm. how do you market it how do you manufacture it how do you do what the what are the competitors and, and many of the people that, you know, jump 
at an idea and run with that without talking to customers, right? Not leading them into any, you know, do you think it's a good idea? Going to your parents and saying it's a good idea, but, you know, just people that are more critical or asking for uh, pre-orders, that sort of like, I don't know, objectivity uh, Mm -hmm. disappears with some of this innovation stuff. And uh, we just saw it over and over. When we're launching this product, people would come to us with ideas and they spent you know, part of their life savings on it. And it was a horrible idea. And it just kind of broke our heart to see people that would jump into this. So we, that, and that's kind of what led to writing this book. And on the process of writing this book, um, we were so lucky to collaborate with so many other people. So how we got the quote for Steve Wozniak is our publisher who's probably published a thousand books now, but at the time only 10, mm-hmm. um, you know, connected us with all these people in Silicon Valley that invented different things like the zip drive and this and that. And, and they gave us all sorts of different feedback on how they commercialized their product. And uh, he just happened to know uh, Steve Wozniak as well. So again, extremely c- kind, humble person, uh, you know, wrote a, a quote like, him and Steve Jobs knew us very well. I mean, if you read the quote, they would think they were best friends, but we're not. Mm-hmm. But he's just a very humble and kind person that just, uh, just you know, just gave us a chance. Mm-hmm. Wow. If you have to, if you if you have to choose, and let's let's talk about, uh, let's try to address this question or idea in the, in the with the backdrop being the industry that I spent most of my career in, and that you've spent a chunk of time as well, obviously, and that's the construction industry. You know, an industry is described as being hardened. Uh, you know, the uh, the steel-toed boots, the t- chewing tobacco, uh, the excessive use of profanity. I could go on and on. Uh, describes that industry. Um, how 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 can that industry change? Uh, and the only assumption there is that it need, that I believe that it needs to. Uh, that it that, that it just hasn't gotten where it needs to be to be able to em- embrace reasonably uh, the idea of different generations, different values, the the uh, assault, if you will, or the arrival of technologies of all kinds uh, that, that are impacting the building process in one form or another. How, how, how do you, how can you see a path forward for the, for the industry to change and what, what do they need to do to become more receptive to all of the dynamics I've described? Sure. Absolutely. So about five years ago, um, I started a podcast, right? Uh, Specify, which focused on construction build materials. But I originally just started it because I wanted to become a better entrepreneur, understand the construction build materials and industry better. Because I think you're kind of alluding to is things can move slowly in those industries, right? So, and I, I, I realized that I there was not one person I could go to that kind of had a grasp of everything. So what I started to do was interview different people from different aspects of the industry. Like, you know, all these things are interconnected in some ways, but they don't always talk to each other. So I spent the time to start to talk to people. And what I noticed was there was more people with the social media, with technologies that would start to connect people to other 
aspects of it, whether it's just by doing the interviews and sharing what different people go through in their industry, but also connecting people that good people that want that change to occur. So I think, um, I think just if you look at the technology industry and you look at how that industry is developed, there's a lot of knowledge sharing that occurs in that industry, like that build in public movement, which, you know, some people will detail out all the revenue they did. And they would, they would say, this is where I went. These are my partners. Everything is transparent. And there's so much knowledge sharing. I think in the construction industry, that knowledge sharing is starting to happen more now. And Mm. as we share more, instead of hiding the secret sauce and being skeptical and, 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 but just sharing your struggles, your successes, um, your tips, um, you know, even about your own life. I feel that, you know, we can understand what different groups objectives are better. Right. And as you connect the dots between the different groups, what I learned that the people that are very, very successful in making a project are smoother are the ones that have relationships across those quote unquote traditional silos that they can um, get people within certain groups to make certain concessions depending on the projects to make the entire project a success because there's individuals that can communicate what it looks like to the end customer or or the goals mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know that's, that's those are terrific thoughts you and, and a couple of thoughts came through my mind one you're you're kind of you're uh, you're uh, you're tiptoeing around the, the 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 outer fringes of talking about another consideration in uh, in uh, de- in dealing with other human beings, and that is the the challenge of of being able to make a connection with people uh, and then go from there to build a relationship. And lastly, the importance of something which have, we haven't touched on, but, but I'm going to take a couple extra minutes so we can, and that is the importance of of appreciating that a person's emotional intelligence referred to in a lot of literature as EQ, is vitally important in trying to uh, to create those relationships uh, one at a time. Uh, and that in, in more cases than not, those folks who are in the leadership roles, uh, if they have high levels of emotional intelligence, meaning they're they're self-aware, they can manage themselves, they're, they pay attention to what other people are feeling as they engage with them, uh, and then they work to build those relationships, that those folks are the ones that are the most successful, uh, whereas the ones that think they're the smartest person in the room don't always win the game, so to speak. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's... Call it, I, I learned this from uh, Bob Berg, uh, who wrote The Go-Giver, and there's three types of weaknesses. And I was like, well, what is that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so he kind of laid it out like this. These are examples I use, but he says, there's one type of weakness and one of my weaknesses, I'm a terrible cook. And luckily my wife doesn't care. She wants no part of that experiment. I've offered to improve <laughs> my skills, but she's not interested. So weakness number one is a weakness that doesn't need to be improved, right? And then um, 
there's weakness number two. So, you know, one of the things that I had to learn um, and I'm still constantly trying to learn is the financial aspect of the business, right? So there's three buckets. There's demand generation, there's operations, and there's doing it profitably. So the I've never met any entrepreneur, no matter how skilled they are, that are good at all three Um I think the best, the, some of the best are good at two out of the three. Uh, but I think the minimum requirement is you need to be good in one and then you need to mitigate the other two. So you need to be at least average with help, right? If you mm-hmm. don't have, if you have low knowledge, you're not going to be able to interface, but you need to be average or you need to meet a certain threshold to be functional. Mm-hmm. But so weakness number two, depending on your goals, because everyone has different goals, is weaknesses that you have to at least mitigate, mm-hmm. right? Now, weakness number three. Well, weakness number three is, you know, let's say, you know, you're not a good, let's say, speaker or, you know, you don't, you're not good at inspiring people through speeches, right? There's a listening aspect and there's also uh, being able to communicate a, a vision and stuff like that. Now, mm-hmm. now if you're doing something fairly small or contained, um, maybe that's okay, right? Maybe you could just be, maybe you don't need it. Maybe you can just mitigate it. But let's say you're, you're trying to be like Elon and change the industry. Although his speaking style isn't, you know, you know, what you sometimes you'd expect in a speaker, he mm-hmm. has a style that has the ability to get a lot of people to move on things, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, he's world-class, but he wasn't world-class. He realized in order for him to fulfill the various visions he has for various things, he had to take his weakness and turn it into a strength. Mm-hmm. So you know, soft skills, yes, there are some jobs that you can do with very little soft skills. But if you want to improve, you want to be a leader, you want to inspire, make a big impact, that soft skill needs to be an absolute strength. Well, we couldn't have scripted those last thoughts more perfectly as the final thoughts of our very quick but in really enjoyable conversation. Tats, uh, we could easily talk for a much longer amount of time. Uh, I hope we will find excuses to do that and maintain our connection. I enjoyed talking to you thoroughly, and I really appreciate your coming on the podcast and sharing your ideas and your wisdom and your enthusiasm and just your plain old humble brilliance. Because there's no, there's no doubt I'm talking to a guy that's got a lot of marbles up here and you use them very well and you do it in a really a really positive way. It's been a delight to have you. Thanks for coming on my show. Yeah, thank you for the invite. You're welcome. Thanks for joining us today for this episode of the Softest Steel podcast with your host, Dennis Duran. Dennis is the author of Softest Steel and a leading speaker and trainer for organizations across many industries and verticals. To learn more about the work Dennis is doing to activate soft skills in the workplace, contact him at DennisDuranSpeaking.com. Be sure to check out his book, Soft as Steel, on Amazon or wherever books are sold. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you'd like to get your podcasts. And please remember to share this episode with your friends, colleagues, 
and anyone you feel would benefit from the conversation. We'll see you next time on the Softest Steel Podcast with Dennis Duran. Produced by Audovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.